Hello, my pop culture junkies. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and it's your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hi guys, we are back for another week and it's another big, exciting week. I have big news and that is I am COVID free. Last week, I did not disclose to my audience that I was fighting COVID because I really didn't know what was going to come. And I was having that anxiety of like, what was my future to hold? But I am very glad to report it was brief. I was vaxxed up to the gills and am very grateful that it was nothing more than a head cold, which is why I sound a little under the water right now because that head cold is not going away anytime soon, even though I am negative. So that's a whole nother podcast to discuss what the meaning of what this whole world means with COVID and all of that. But without further delay, I would like to introduce my esteemed guest this week. She is somebody that has been a part of every episode I believe, since we have uh, launched this podcast in some way, shape or form. One of her children has been the guests. One of her children or several of her children have been discussed on this podcast. She herself has been discussed on this podcast. In fact, she was one or maybe several of the times I said I wanted to make out with on my make out Mary murder. And that is the esteemed Let me just get this straight. Let me just read to you her job descriptions. Producer, script editor, journalist, broadcaster, executive producer of Comic Relief, mother of four dragons, amazing children, the mother of even more animals, pets, cats, dogs, chickens, longtime girlfriend and co-parent with Richard Curtis, the most famous Freud, frankly, of all Freuds, Emma Freud. Emma! How's that? Well, it was long. And it was it was fascinating to me. Um, I, I was glad you you reminded me that on your Shag Marry Avoid quiz on week two, I think it was, I was the one you wanted to shag. Yeah. Oh yeah. We say make out because I'm a, I'm trying to be a less vulgar Brooke. I've I've. Oh, I've, you're failing so badly. Oh God, I know. I've tried. Somebody just uh, sent me a clip of a show I was on twenty years ago. And I was vulgar. I was like making, you know, like yeast jokes and so forth. Plus chons, babe. You're the filthiest mouth in, in West Hollywood. That's why I love you. But do not think at any point you aren't Mrs. Smut because you are. Oh, my gosh. See, I'm That's trying to nice. put this. I'm trying to put this sweet little American girl sort of persona. Come on. I have to wash my mouth out. With, my mom did. Did you ever do that? My mom literally used to wash my my mouth out with soap. I was so cheeky as a kid. And I remember, and I developed quite a nice, like, I was like, I, if we're talking ivory, I'm good. If we're talking scented soap, I'm bad. So I was like always trying to, whenever I was cheeky, I would always try to make sure it was near the bathroom that had ivory and not my mom's bathroom, which had very floral soaps that tasted just horrendous in the mouth. That is forward planning. And I admire you for it. Yeah. Um, Strategic. I never have my mouth washed out and I swear so badly that most of my kids don't swear because I do all the swearing for them and actually I've noticed that I swear much much more when I'm with them like I do think it's funny and clever and I think the more that I do it the less they will 
but it's fine. It's working. Your kids are Emma and Richard have four incredible children. We've spoken about them almost entirely on each and every podcast. All of them, the the one Charlie I know least because he's off doing schooling things, whereas the others I've spent quite a bit of time with. But Emma and Richard, for those of you who might not have heard the time I had their son Jake on, we we should have known each other because I had actually been doing business with her brother who ended up buying my company. Um, we should have known each other at that point, but no, we should have known each other because I'd actually crossed paths with Scarlett, but Scarlett and I hadn't befriended each other quite yet. That's their, their oldest child and their only daughter. We met in fact, because you, unbeknownst to me, you and Richard both were under the impression that I was the talk about smut. I was the older American, American slut who'd come across the pond and started shagging your just graduated from high school son. Well, my daughter-in-law is how I like to think of you. It was nice. We were excited. <laughs> and you guys, and you, you'd reached out and you're like, I understand you're cohabitating with my son in my brother's guest house and it's a high time we meet. And I said, oh, this is so great. I've always wanted to meet the, the famous Emma Freud. I've heard so many things about you. Your voice was very familiar to me because of your broadcasting career. And so I was very excited. And then I was, I was trapped in the backseat of your car, actually, when... You then proposed, we were off to dinner and you guys asked me if it was true. I can't remember if it was you or Richard, but I saw somebody's eyes in the rear view mirror, like looking back at me and I'm sitting in the back seat, like, how the fuck do I get out of here? Do I run? Do I, I'm like, are the doors locked? Am I trapped? I mean, what do I say here? Because obviously I'm going to deny it and you're not going to believe me. But I I was just like, no, I'm not shagging your son. I'm, I swear to God. And we didn't believe you at all. You didn't believe me. We just thought you were embarrassed because he was so much younger than you. <laughs> so you weren't going to fess up. It was great. I didn't believe you for weeks. Really? I thought I'd done such mm. a good job in convincing you that, and that was that. No. Oh my no. goodness. My goodness. And who was perpetuating that? Jake is convinced it was Uncle Matthew. I'm still naive and innocent in that front. And I think it was mostly my wishful thinking, to be honest. I just dreamed <laughs> that someone as gorgeous as you might go out with my little <laughs> boy. Well, look at he he did just anyway. fine on his own, but um, we did he have did a really fine. good time. And um, I, there was, you know, there was lots of Jake and Brooke stories throughout London the, the, that that summer of love that we had. There was no love, but it was a blossoming friendship. And in fact, he and Jasmine are going to be potato sitting in the next few days. So they will be very close to you staying at my house. Keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on them. So this is a podcast ultimately about pop culture. I mean, Emma, you, (laughs) you literally were born into pop culture. I mean, you are, you have a last name that is uh, a name every single person in the world will know. And it's not a coincidence that that's your last name. That is literally your family. Every Freud has seemingly gone on to do incredible things, whether uh, it's your, you know, your direct family members or cousins, you have Bella Freud, you have Lucian Freud, her father. I mean, incredible stuff. And there's you, one of the most prolific people I ever know. I mean, a little backstory, Emma came to LA for a year. She's here with her family. And she decided 
I'm just going to take some classes and I'm going to decide to paint in her whatever, never in her life has she painted. You go over to her house now and it's, it, you can't distinguish between whether they're actual paintings that they spent millions on or they're Emma Freud's that she's just picked up a paintbrush for the first time and she's doing, it's like being in Van Gogh's like, like studio. I mean, you, it's like, oh, here's, I'm going to paint my son. And it's like the greatest painting I've ever seen. Or here's still life with a chair and a bowl of fruit, but better than any still life I've seen. And I just, I, you're clearly a Renaissance woman. You then decide to bring over your cat from England. The cat uh, has babies and the she's talk about a slut. She's a little slutty slut has kittens that the illegal immigrants brought over from London has kittens on Emma's pillow. And now one of the cats is super famous Tink's cat, Vice Freud Tink's and, (laughs) and has a diamond collar and is walked on a leash and is fed green juice by our beloved Tinksy. And I mean, you, you're in the, and then at the end of the day, you, put on, um, you know, you're the executive producer of Comic Relief, which for many uh, people listening will be familiar with, but they're also behind Red Nose Day, which is both in the UK and and in the US that has raised hundreds of millions of dollars for children. What is it that you don't do? Trying to figure (laughs) it out. Paint very well. I love the fact that I pulled the wool over your eyes on that one because they're really diabolical. But thank you for all of that, you dear thing. Um, I, what I really am at the moment is a student because since coming to LA, I in, enrolled at UCLA and I've been taking courses for the last year, trying to become a tiny bit cleverer. And it's uh, it's been phenomenal. It's unbelievable. God, the education system you have here is so brilliant. OK, well, I mean, maybe the only thing we have better in in America, because as far as I concern, like women's rights are better yeah. in the UK. I think certainly this month, like just remind me abortion is legal in the UK. Yeah, it's it's completely legal and it's paid for by the government when it needs to be. And I'm sure if someone had said to you a week ago, Roe v. Wade is going to be turned around, you wouldn't have believed it. But the idea that in the UK that 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 decision could ever be reversed is impossible. I couldn't. I mean, I don't know. Now, now you have to think it is like, first of all, I did say this last week and I said this in my newsletter. I had like a lot of friends and a lot of friends were telling me that this could happen and I didn't believe them. Of course, I have some friends and you know who you are who are like, I always knew it could happen and they did not. They're just going with that. But I never believed it. Like it didn't even occur to me. Like I was just like, this is all just the noise, the fear. And like I I wrote about in the newsletter this week, I guess it's like when you listen to the stories of of young women in Afghanistan who were dressing normal and and having an education and working and all of a sudden, like literally the night before uh, they were in school and having a normal life. And then they wake up to find out that their rights are gone. They are no longer allowed to work, no longer allowed to go to school and had to wear burqas or whatever the, the rules are today. It's incredible. And that feels like, and you feel like, well, it's not a civilized world. Well, of course, Afghanistan was incredibly Uh, sophisticated and incredibly modern at one point, but they've gone backwards. And it seems like we are too in America. Well, we did. I mean, it's not on women's rights, but but it it does feel in Britain like we went backwards when 
over half the country voted for Brexit. It was just a shocking, a shocking development. And in a way, it was that same thing that's happened here in the way that the, the, the whole abortion argument got appropriated by the politicians and became a binary, divisive thing that meant that if you were pro-life, you were right-wing, and if you were there for the people's choice, you were left-wing. And it, isn't, it shouldn't ever be about that. It shouldn't have become that level of political decision. It should have become a moral decision rather than a political decision. And we had the same in Britain, in that the right wing were going, we should get out of Europe and vote Brexit. And the left wing were going, we need to stay. And that shouldn't have been that either. That was to do with whether you're looking outwards or inwards, which both parties should be able to embrace, both sides of that, whether you wanted the world to be connected or to become insular. That was never a political, like a right-wing or a left-wing decision. It was much, much bigger than that, but it got reduced and reduced. In fact, I'm going to blame Twitter. In fact, it's all Elon Musk. Well, I mean, it is certainly Elon's problem now. And I don't know if you saw the news, but breaking today, Elon said he was going to give Twitter back to Donald Trump. And in fact, Donald Trump, very much like the Supreme Court, he said Donald Trump should never, it should never have been a decision to remove him. Now, the truth is, if Donald Trump were to run for president, he, you know, Twitter would have had to bring him back at some point. I mean, that's just like from, I think there's some issues there if he was a candidate, but being that he's a private citizen, I don't see, you know, there was a need for it, but I I've talked about on the pod, my trying to give Elon a little space because I do believe knowing him just the teeniest of teeniest of teeny bits, but knowing a lot of his friends, knowing a lot of the people in the world that Elon, in a good way, to your point about right, left, you know, political, he doesn't see himself as aligned to one side or the other, which is good. He doesn't see himself as a conservative or as a liberal. He sees himself as somebody who has his belief system, but, you know, he doesn't believe in ultra right wing and he doesn't believe in the ultra left, which, you know, both of those things are extremes. So that's good. However, I, and I think that's where Donald Trump is this like really tricky situation because he has done what, you know, one could say Hitler had done in you know the time of Nazi Germany that was over the course of time it wasn't like hitler just showed up and became this you know dominant character he slowly built this sort of the disenfranchised the the people that hitler would never actually pay attention to in his day-to-day life but made them feel a part of something and seen in a way they hadn't been seen before and indoctrinated his belief system in them over the course of time to where he got them into to a frenzied spirit to where you blame everybody for your problems uh, other than like that doesn't look like you, which in that case was the Jews, right? Donald Trump is doing that. It has done that and gotten these people that he would never even look at. Like literally most of his disciples are people that Donald Trump wouldn't let into the gates of Mar-a-Lago. But he, he, he gets them all like they see us. He's one of us. He's one of us. He lives in like a fucking fake dipped in cheesy gold mirrored 
palace in the Trump Tower and never has seen a trailer park for his life. But yet these people are so they're so empowered by his sort of abruptness and his mocking people and making fun of people. And that is done on Twitter. That is what where he got his broader reach and it created such divide and anger and divisiveness and upset. And he knows how to play everybody, all sides, all parties, all different groups of people like a fiddle. And that coming back is really terrifying to me. I don't know. We've gone deep. Yeah. We've gone real deep. This is not pop culture. This is the world. I know. It's pop culture through the lens of Nazism and Trumpism. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's pop culture in the sense that we have Elon. You brought Elon back into the conversation and it's his Twitter is his mess now. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I just, I was a happier person without having to see Donald Trump. I'm happier not having that sort of like waking up in the morning and the sky is falling. I was happy. I'm a happier, I'm happier not watching, sorry news, but I'm happier not watching CNN and MSNBC and, you know, all of the reading everything and listening to everything all the time to be like, how are we going to get out of this now? Do you know, I wonder if that is the future for us in some ways, what you just said about happier not seeing him. I wonder if there will be a moment where we all go, actually, our lives are better without Facebook, without Instagram, yeah. without billboards, without lots of shops. We just want little shops. We just want the people within our community. We're better without cars. Let's just go anywhere we can cycle or walk. And other than that, let's stay where we are. I say this, you Emma. Know, if, if actually the future is going to, we, we're just going to get littler and little. I mean, already I've been able to ditch huge amounts of online media because I only read your PCM newsletter every Monday. And it's like, that's my curated version of the pop culture world through the lens of someone who I love and trust the end. That's all I yeah. need. Well, I think there's something to be said for maybe that's why newsletters in general have started to really take off podcasts. Like I do believe smaller is better. Curated is better. Just keeping it like I, I really, I remember the time when there was a blackout in my house. When I grew up, I didn't have internet. I didn't have cell phones, obviously, but even just the access to television or lots of other things. And when we had a, a it was a hurricane and there was a blackout. And I remember just reading by candlelight. My mom was reading to me BFG by Roald Dahl and just sitting there curled up like an old fat, like the old timiness with candles and my mom reading to me. I was plenty old enough to read. I was probably like 12 or something, but it was just such a sweet and it's such a core memory of mine. And I wouldn't have had that if we weren't stripped of the sort of outside uh, you know, influences and all the other things that kept me sort of preoccupied at that time. Um, talking on the phone with my friends or watching TV or playing video games, all of that was stopped. And it was a simpler moment. And I have that core memory. Like when I think about missing my mom, I think of that. I think of every moment I can remember the texture of the, the blanket I was on. And I can remember exactly the voices she used as she read rolled doll to me and, and the, the, the big friendly giant's voice. So I do think, I, I don't know if it'll be a trend, but I do think something's got to give as, as they say, using the lens of we have too much in our purview. Have you been following 
the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, because I made that the lead story of the newsletter this week, not the loss of women's rights, not because I believe it's the lead story, but because it is the lead story in pop culture. If you t- if you opened up TikTok and you started scrolling, you would within five or six videos be fed a pro Johnny Depp TikTok. And I'm hearing from people, people that we know mutually that have never come to me about anything related to pop culture. They're like, what are your thoughts? How crazy is this? What are you thinking? What's going to happen? Where is is Johnny going to be back in Pirates of the Caribbean? Like what, what are your thoughts on all of it? Well, I've got the double thing now. I mean, obviously I only know about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case because of your newsletter. I hadn't followed this place before. <laughs> You're not glued to the court TV television? No. And this is my point. So we have the same thing in Britain as well with something called the Wagatha Christie case. Do you know about this? These two Wags are those wives. those are wives or and girlfriends of a WAG stands for a wife and or girlfriend. Girlfriend. Of a sports so with, star. there are two yeah, mostly of footballers. So there are two footballers' wives who were in a locked in a battle, which is just about as tasteful as the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp one is. And they're both they're in court at the same time. And my takeaway on it is just we shouldn't be there. We shouldn't. We shouldn't know about it. We shouldn't be able to see it. We shouldn't be able to hear about it. We should. I mean, apart from the amazing moment where a dog did indeed step on a bee. Other than that, we shouldn't be party to this entire experience. It's just too grim and grubby. Yeah, I think I think I do feel like what you're saying is 100 percent correct. I mean, I remember the OJ trial and we were all like obsessed and like completely locked in watching that. And that really messed with my brain as a kid. Like, I don't even understand that. And, I, you know, I haven't really been interested in watching trials since then. But now the Amber and I will admit I have not watched Amber and Johnny trial. I'm not turning my TV on. I watch it through the lens of TikTok, but I couldn't believe when it was going to be televised. And I thought surely this was something that the two of them would be opposed to. Or I even thought, well, it must have been Amber trying, but to to understand it was Johnny who really wanted it. Now, as you're seeing it unfold, you understand why. One, he knows that he can manipulate an audience. He's very good with a crowd. He's a much better actor than Amber Heard. And then he also realizes how Amber is going to be perceived in this because she's, regardless of whether she was telling the truth or not, she's just not as sympathetic of a character as she might have been five years ago, right? This time, the times have changed where, and again, I think this is back to a cultural thing. There is a time in 2016 when this was happening, there was, we believed all women. It did not matter. It was such a a response to the Harvey stuff and all of that, that it was like, we are exhausted by what's been happening. And now it is mandated that we are to believe all women. Well, there's problems with that, just as there were problems with the ways it was done prior, right? Like, whereas women never were believed or didn't have a voice. Now we were told we have to believe everything that they say and do regardless. And that person that that's they're accusing them of has to be canceled and ended. And so this feels totally perfectly in line with what's happening with Twitter, with what's happening in the world, which is 
Now, Johnny isn't innocent. I mean, he's sitting there. There are texts about him wanting to burn her alive. And there are texts of, you know, him, there are video of him clearly being inebriated and jars of cocaine and doing tons of drugs and pills. I didn't realize at the time, but I think he was using cocaine because it was like there was a jar, a jar. Look what I got. I got a jar of that. I got a jar of that. And guess what's inside? He is not innocent, but... Clearly, the tides have turned where now it's back totally on the other side where it's attacking the woman and she's crazy and she's a psychopath and she's, you know, a manipulator. And maybe all of those things are true, but it's just it's the pendulum shift of like one extreme to the other extreme that I can't keep track of. And now you have all of these people that were never paying attention to it. Now they're all pro Johnny. There's a whole trend on TikTok of husbands saying like, have you lost your wife to Johnny Depp? I've lost my wife to Johnny Depp. But it's like, this is so crazy. He's, you know, he's a flawed human being. And we're watching this sort of play out in like a soap opera on drugs. I just wish it was fiction. That's all. You know, if this was if this was the movie they were both in, I would have no issue with it at all. If this was Severance we were talking about, it would be fine. It's just we shouldn't have an opinion, Brooke. We shouldn't be listening. We shouldn't be watching. We shouldn't be on anybody's side because this is nothing to do with us. I know. I know. And, and yet we're fixating. anything really to do with the court of law is when it when it comes down to it. It's it's, you know, I mean, ugh. Nobody died. I mean, what are they doing? Which is why it's so funny because I think it's the judge is my favorite because the judge is like, what the fuck am I in? Like there are all these memes of the judge being like, I cannot believe this is my life. They're so funny. Like you can see her losing the energy to go on. Like either two things happen. Either she retires and becomes like a school teacher or, or like runs off to the Caribbean and lives her best life or or she's going to turn this into a TV career and and I'm a little jaded on that and like be the next people's court person or whatnot. Who knows? So we have the same sort of anomaly in Britain with this with this case with the two footballers wives in the. What is the case about? Oh, I'm not even going to tell you is how much I don't want you to get involved in it or follow it. But there was just uh, the only reason that I've even touched on it is because on the very, very grown up news program. They, because it's got so big, they had to actually report on it today. And the bit that they reported on was when one of the footballer's wives was talking about a pop star and said he is hung like a chipolata sausage. <laughs> I Can I ask you a question? Is a chipolata sausage big or small? <laughs> so American. <laughs> The chipolata sausage is the very, very tiny skinny It's like one. the little, t- ew, the ew, little yeah. skinny. Oh, that's an insult. And to then. use the phrase hung like a chipolata sausage was, yeah, it's fabulous. But you had to hear it in a grown up Radio 4 on the BBC News reader's voice for it to really have full effect. It was hung like a chipolata sausage. So yeah. funny. Thank you for the description because that could have gone another way. If I had not asked that question, I was envisioning that as being like a really lovely thing to say to somebody like you're hung like. But well, we need to talk about sausages if we're talking about the culture of America, because we invented them and you have destroyed them. You don't do sausages right. I don't know what's wrong with you. You just mess them up. I know you think they're nice, but if you'd had British sausages all your life, like every person in England has been forced to. 
You would be as horrified as I am. I, I feel attacked. Now, are you saying, I mean, we're talking, let's just be clear. We're talking pork sausages here. Or do you also consider chicken sausage or is that like a, an abomination? I'm, I can't even answer a question about chicken sausages because it's such an abomination. Okay. Okay. We're talking I about thought we're talking pork about pork sausages. And also known in Britain as pork swords, also known as... It doesn't matter. Well, I asked you, this is funny that you brought this up because I did during my COVID week of literally losing my mind of in isolation and not seeing another human being, which is one of the, the things of weird of living alone. And then I didn't see humans. I was like ordering everything from Instacart. So I cooked, I cooked for like an army of a hundred. And I also had a crazy appetite during that. But I asked you about a sausage recipe. I was like, I really want to make a sausage recipe. And you sent me sausages in what? What, what do you call them in the puff pastry? A sausage roll. Sausage roll. I ended up using, the, I, I, I ended up making something else. But are you saying just the way we cook the sausages or is it even the way the butcher, the market prepares the sausage? Yeah, you just get none of it right. You just don't really understand. I mean, it's a bit like you saying, you know, that that thing you have where you put like meat and then you put a little bit of like bread on the outside. What's that called? Oh, burger. That's it. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you're not getting the basics. And until you come to Britain and eat our manky sausages, which you will, and go to a Greg's, which is our version I've, of McDonald's. I've lived in London for quite a bit. So I know you're well, right. Then you ought to know better. Yeah, it's really, well, it's a disgrace. Well, should I be yelling it's fine, at... It's fine, don't worry. There, is, there are many other things. You're, why are you putting sugar in bread? Uh, Whose recipe was that? I don't know. No, even David, your producer, is shaking his head like he's... What about the... And have, can we talk about the chocolate? Disgusting. Our chocolate also, is a disaster. Tea, for Christ's sake, I know it's the oldest cliche in the book, but you've got to get a grip on tea. But we, I use the PG tips. That's that's the same. Yeah, but you, no one here does it right. I no. did. I dated an English guy. I'll tell you what. I did one of the only things that he left me with that's a positive was the ability to make a really nice cuppa. And it was like, it, it caused a lot of fights because if I didn't present the co the tea, right, it was, this is a disgrace and he wouldn't even touch it. And it was like yeah. the amount of time I let it seep to when, and then not just that, but removing of the tea bag from it, but like having to still turn it around within the, the teacup and then extract. Babe, babe, it goes even before that. You, you, you guys aren't even getting it right with the water. With the water. How right. hot the water yeah, is. You, it's too hot, right? People the water's got to be boiling. But not, ing. yeah, but not boiled. Not boiled. Yes. And not on the point of boiling. Boiling, and you pour it onto the tea bag when it's boiling. Oh my God. That is the only way. If you don't do that, you don't get tea. Well, you get, you know. Ugh. I have an idea. I mean, I don't know if you're watching. I'm obsessed with this. I'm sure there's like, it's a very niche audience, but I'm obsessed with the Julia Child show on HBO Max. It is delightful. It really, really is. It's a departure from the amazing Julia, Julie, Julia movie where Meryl Streep played Julia Child. This is in Stanley Tucci, her husband. This is a different show, but it's incredible. Um, I love it. I'm sure it's creative nonfiction. There's a lot of fabrication in it, but you could be the, you know, English cookbook. 
person. You should write after a year of living in America. Here's what you fucking don't get. And I'm going to be the preeminent expert. And I'm going to write the book of this is you Americans. You've get, you're getting it all wrong. And you can, there's a, a whole thing on sausages. There's, I mean, you've taught me like in the short time, I make that onion and cheese tart for people. And they think I'm motherfucking out of like French cooking school. Like I come out, like I bring it, it's like my biggest party trick. So I think there's a market and we could totally pop culture it all up. Like modern day cooking, like a yeah, fucking there just boss. aren't enough cookbooks out there at the moment. There, well, I'm sorry, Emma. novel idea. No, a specific lens from Emma Freud. <laughs> they always have a specific lens. No, listen, the only thing that I gave the world on on the subject of cooking was when I went on the Great British Bake Off and became star baker for my bourbon black cherry brownies. Oh my God, you were on Bake Off? Yeah. I didn't... I won. Oh my God, Emma, I didn't know any of this. I... You're just disgraceful. I'm a disgrace. I am a disgrace. Um, It's amazing that you bring me anywhere. Another thing that you've brought me was the, you know, through you and your brother, Matthew, I got to know the... Who I can't believe is world famous now, Charlie Mackesy, the incredible artist who was just one of your mates that, like, basically lived in your house. In our garden, he still does. Did Matthew ever try and set you up with Charlie? That, that would be another podcast. Okay, let's see if we get to that one. Oh yeah, interesting. I love that Charlie Mackesy. But for those of you who don't know, he is an incredible artist, the most sweetest, kindest, very purest of hearts m- men dog father, worshiper, um, wrote, uh, painted this in, or drew this incredible portrait of, of potato and me that Matthew gave me for my birthday. And he has a best-selling book called, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. The boy, the, what is it? The, the sausage, the cup of tea, <laughs> the mole and the garden. <laughs> that is his sequel. That's coming out. It's so we should recommend it, but it has been on the bestseller list now for like 182 weeks or something crazy. And it's being made into a movie. So that'll be exciting. I can't wait for the premiere of that. It's at Christmas. Yes. Is it? Guess where I'm going to yeah. have Christmas then. Yeah, in front of your telly. I'm, well, I'm going to come to England and have a premiere with you. I'm, I'm going to invite myself immediately. It's only a TV movie, though. It's not It's not movie movie. But there's going to be a, tr- a, a premiere of some kind, right? Probably in our front room. Yeah, yeah. so I want to be there for that. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm going to be there. your place on the sofa. Um, okay. Well, I could sit here and talk. Like, well, there are so many topics um, that we didn't dive into, but I, uh, I much prefer just having you talk about sausages to me all day. Sausages is good. I need to just ask you a quick question about the Met Gala. Who won the best dress? I thought Kim Kardashian looked stunning in that dress. That dress is, you know, I talked about it last week. I thought it was crazy um, how that dress was presented on a wood hanger and like very disrespectful to the legacy of that dress. But to know all of the things that were done to, to like make sure she could wear it down the red carpet, like carrying the mink stole behind her to cover the fact that her her rear end didn't fit into it. I mean, I liked it 
for just the shock value of it. It was so stunningly shocking that that she, a woman famous for a sex tape, wore a dress that Marilyn Monroe was wearing when she clearly was having an affair with the president singing in a very sex tapey way. Happy birthday. So I thought that was sort of like an homage to like a little of that. I, oh my God, I have to. No, that's enough on best. Tell me who got worst. Do you remember the guy that people mistook for Jared Leto? Did you see that? There was a guy that came out and he was like in this 3D printed outfit and he looked like he came from like the netherworld of hell and was brought up to sort of wreak havoc on the humans. And everyone's like, that's Jared Leto. And I was like, I don't think it's Jared Leto. Like Jared is a weird dude, but that this is like a side of like, he really looked like this guy had been created from the gods of hell. And I would say he gave me, he scared the fuck out of me. I did not like it. It made me really uncomfortable. And I have no idea who he was. He was some like Nordic person. What about you? Who are your faves? Uh, I didn't watch it. I mean, I saw some of it on your newsletter, but other than that, I didn't. I just, I'm interested because I got the, I got the worst dressed once at a party that I went to, an award ceremony in England, and it was so traumatic. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't you know, deal. Obviously, I laughed a lot at the time when, ah, ah but you, it killed you. Oh, it killed me. Yeah, it I don't like me. it. I try not to, I like to mock guys because they don't give a shit. And women, you know, I mean, if a woman feels beautiful in something, then I think they should embrace it. And I, so I think everyone who has the courage to put themselves into that you know, situation and they don't really have a lot of control, not all of them because they're the guest of a designer. So I think it is also ironic. I do. What really pissed me off was that people did not understand. They just didn't know when the Gilded Age was or what it was like. It was there could have been like the Gilded Age in America is a sign of like the sort of the railroad. There's so many connections. Like I think Blake Lively got it. That, that dress sort of represented a lot of the industrial stuff that was happening in New York City at that point. So I would have loved to have seen a little bit more attention to the theme, if you will. But it's only ever a suggestion, isn't it? I mean, I went to the Met Gala once and the theme when I went was space or something, tech, tech, techo, techno. I don't know. I couldn't work it out. I don't think anybody else could, but it didn't seem to matter very much. But I know, but I do feel like, what's the point then? What's the point? That's you're there to celebrate that moment in time. That's what the Met Gala is for that exhibit. Because I think it gives people like you and me a chance to go. They didn't stay on theme. (laughs) I will say, I think it's been the the subject every year that I've talked about it. Like, but they were, they missed the theme, but (laughs) it did offend me that people were like, they were so on theme. They were dressed like Bridgerton. And you're like, Bridgerton was not the gilded age my loves it was not let's just get it it's like the gilded age wasn't when everybody was wearing like period pieces so whatever okay we are getting into that my favorite stage make out marry murder now it can be any of things we talked about today it could be things that we haven't talked about that are just relevant to you it could be animal vegetable mineral but you tell me who's who would you make out with Well, you very sweetly said on one of these that you wanted to make out with me. So I feel I ought to say that I want to make out with you. But to be honest, Brooke, as much as I love you, I don't. Okay, so that's fair. I appreciate the honesty. Thanks so much. Yeah, just just being straight up with you. And it's nothing to do with you. It's just it's just I'm not your preference sausage issues. 
I understand. See what I'm I see here. what you're saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. So, what was the question? Who do you want to make out with, other than since other than like anybody in the world? Apparently, other than Brooke, is that the answer? Yeah. No. Is <laughs> it no? I think the guy who looked like he had been dressed by the warriors of hell. He sounds right up my street. Oh yeah, well yeah, okay. He's a bad, that bad would be a boy. Nice shock for my kids, wouldn't it? Yeah, bad I'd like boy. Like to see their faces when they met him at breakfast. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. Hades. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours? Who would I make out with? I, you know, you called it earlier. Probably Charlie Mackesy. Little Charlie, just just to embarrass him. Like, let's make sure he hears this. Charlie, will you make out with me? No, I'm too old for Charlie. But I would still. There is a wedding coming up after all. Get, give me, come on, Charlie, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> the drama okay, scandal. Okay, what's the next one? Mary. Mary, since you believe in marriage. <laughs> well, I've, I've never made it down the aisle yet, but I did say to Richard just before we started doing this, I said, oh, she's going to ask me who I should marry. Well, who do you think? And he said, me. And I think that's a proposal. I think that's a proposal. You and you guys yeah. heard it here first. Richard Curtis and Emma Freud, after 30 years and four children and a million billion miles around the world, um, are getting going to get married. They're proposed to, at least. So marriage, Richard Curtis. That's a good Except one. Except I said no. Well, so it won't be him. Uh, uh, Mary, I'm getting increasingly fond of your producer, David. So I know. That's a possibility. Okay. I don't know where he stands on that sort of thing. But then my traditional person I want to marry is just David Tennant because I always have oh, him God. as well. And I've, I've, he is married, but. Yeah, but that's okay. This is this is just sort of. I watch David Tennant's quite popular on TikTok. So like, like I don't know if he's on TikTok, but lots of videos of him, whether it's Doctor Who videos or interviews he's done with Graham Norton, or just being in the audience at the butt of somebody's joke at an award show. People love David Tennant. He's 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 perfect. And they did just announce a new Doctor Who, who is a black man. That is exciting. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be. He is exciting. He's He's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, he's a beautiful man. I, the pictures that they're using are the ones that he wore that suit with the cutout of his chest. In the, on the he's also a really, really classy actor. He's in Sex Education. Have you ever yes, seen yes. Gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then murder. Well, possibly the bee that that the dog stood on poor Amber Amber Heard's dog when she made that that yeah. that sound and my dog probably... stepped on a bee and then she made this weird face my dog stepped on a bee objection relevance and I think he's probably already dead dead the dead stood... I don't know if it was a big dog was it a big dog no they have little dogs they have little oh, tiny dogs fine, then. I don't want to murder a bee I like these all the the Amber Heard Johnny Depp and the two wags the lot of them Possibly, and the judges as well. Just like, leave, leave, stop now. You're making us worse people for the fact that we're witnessing what you're going through. Yeah. Yep. 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 I agree. Okay. So I said I would make out with Charlie Mackesy. Stand by that. Let's see how things go, Charlie. It's it's your call. (laughs) I would marry Cheese Louise. I. He's your marry. You need murder. No, I, he's my make out. I don't know who oh, I would. Okay. Yeah, I would make out with Charlie. I'm not going to marry Charlie. No offense. But um, I would marry an English guy. Just any old English guy. You know, I have a I do have many, um, many loves who have been. And is that simply English. for the sausage? 
Probably because I clearly like that kind of sausage. I love an English sausage, Emma. I love an, an, an English guy. I, you know, just the, 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 the food in England is obviously better. We talked about that. Civil liberties seem to be a little bit better. Your health care is, is quite good. Your proximity to the Mediterranean is really quite nice to me. Your funny little accents that I can tell now between the different parts of England. I can tell a Yorkshire accent versus a South London accent. I'm quite pleased with that. I would marry any man from England and please like my my emails are open. And then I would murder (laughs) Donald Trump Twitter. Murder it like I would never fucking murdered anything in my life. Murder, 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 murder. Quick, I forgot to ask this before we wrap. Emma, have you, you know, Richard has obviously written some of the world's most iconic films and and directed some of the world's most iconic films. You've executive produced some of the world's most iconic films. Have you been in any of them? I know some of your children were lobsters and Spider-Man and Love Actually, but have you been in any of the films? In Love Actually, I think it's the only one I've been in, um, right at the beginning in the very, very first of many montages, um, you'll see a, a, a... Christmas tree being walked over one of the bridges over the Thames and I'm the back legs of that Christmas tree. It's huge. Did you get your SAG card yeah. from that? No. The front oh. legs were the was was the runner. So I was like <laughs> the, the arse end of the runner. It's about as low as you get. And also, it's not even a long enough shot for me to be able to tell what trousers I was wearing that day, but I know it was me. Has Richard tried to get you into a movie and you've just said no, or is he just not even bothered? No. Oh no, my voice is in it. There's one bit. I'm I'm the vo- I'm the radio presenter because I was doing radio at the time. I'm the radio presenter saying about Bill Nye getting to number one at Christmas. Oh, that's, that's right. Right before he then takes all his clothes off. Yeah. Oh, Emma, I know that bit. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we are in the, we are really in the, I didn't, I mean, I knew we were in the presence of greatness, but I didn't realize <laughs> we were in the presence of an actual movie star. So with that, you guys, I bid you adieu and until next time. Pop culture.